Hi, and welcome to Making Waves, a Mormon feminist podcast. I'm your host, Alicia, and this is where we talk about women's issues in the church. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the episode. I'm so excited to have Dr. Julie Hanks with us today. Welcome, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just like so giddy with having you on the show. I'm just such a baby podcast that I'm touched that you would even give me the time of day. (laughs) Oh, well, I, I love doing podcast interviews and I love meeting new people. So happy to be here. Awesome. Well, great. Well, maybe you could just take a few minutes and introduce yourself and the work you do. Yeah, I'm a therapist. Uh, I own a private practice in Salt Lake, and I am an author and uh, have a social media and media presence. I am a full-time professor at Utah Valley University in their Master of Social Work program and performing songwriter and mom and wife and grandma. Um, (laughs) So yeah, there are some things about me. Awesome. So um, I know some people may know you from when you were Julie DeCevedo and you did your music and your dad has done a ton of like Mormon musicals. And um, Mm -hmm. so I just think it's so awesome and fascinating how you kind of went from like that life to the therapy and really helping women in the church culture kind of break free of the culture. So like maybe explain that transition and how that came. Yeah, so there actually wasn't a transition. There was just a transition in the public. I used to lead with music publicly and I I was still doing therapy. So I've been doing- Oh, okay. Yeah, so I've been doing therapy since the early to mid nineties. So when I was doing music, I was also in grad school and then doing therapy. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So, but I would lead with, with my music and, you know, public interviews and things like that. And not every, you know, a lot of people didn't know I was a therapist too. Um, and then there was kind of a transition about 10 years ago where I started uh, leading more with, you know, with like media and social media around women's emotional health issues. And this kind of gradual shift happened. And then I've developed uh, an online presence and, and, you know, in the past 10 years or so. And um, yeah, so that's, it's kind of, I've been doing both the whole time, but nobody knew. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. So what made you decide to kind of, I feel like your social media presence is very much like directed at women in the church culture, trying to kind of find themselves, trying to kind of push against the norm and kind of find that freedom of living in the church, being part of the church and, but being able to be themselves. So how did you kind of end up specializing in that? Well, it's, it's really personal. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been my journey. Yeah. And it's been hard to be for me to be a woman in the church at times and sometimes really painful and sometimes really sad. And I, I've lived long enough that I feel, and I've worked with enough people over the decades that I feel like I've, you know, I have something to offer or maybe a perspective that might be helpful to some people. And so I just, I've always been willing to be public with, (laughs) 
whatever I'm doing. And so, uh, yes, yeah, so it's really kind of helping share my own process. And uh, I have a daughter who left the church and I have most of my siblings have left the church. So creating bridges mm. between people in the church and out of the church is really important to me because that's, that's your what life. I've, yeah. yeah. And so it kind of merges my personal and professional experience together. I love that. So I can really identify with you saying um, that it's been painful to be a woman in the church sometimes, and it's been hard. Can you maybe, if you're comfortable sharing just a little bit more about your own personal experience? Yes. When I was a teenager, it was very clear to me the gender inequality. Mm -hmm. And even before that, it was clear to me the inequality in my own family. And so that that's been on my radar for a long time. Yeah. Um, and then as I've grown, I've, I've kind of um, had this gradual feminist awakening throughout my adulthood and it just keeps on going. Yes. <laughs> See, you start seeing more and more and more. Yeah. Um, and then I realized I have a platform where I can actually talk to people and have discussions and and see how we can can improve because I love the gospel yeah you know and I want I love my people I love I love the church and let's make it better yes I love that I'm so glad you used um feminist awakening I feel like over the past year or so I've definitely kind of I'm kind of late to the feminist movement. I'm like about to turn 40 and I feel like it's just been this shift, you know? Uh -huh. And it's been really empowering actually. Yeah. And um, to be able to follow people like you and Kristen V. Hobson and, and Lyson Fife and just to see like other women speaking out about things that concern me and worry me and have questions about just helps me feel not so alone or isolated oh. or crazy, <laughs> you know? Because sometimes when you talk to women in the church, even, um, you know, very faithful women, they're kind of like, I, I don't get it. I don't see what you're seeing. I don't, which I totally respect, but mm -hmm. it does make me feel sometimes like, what, what's wrong with me? Like why An outsider? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I can relate to that personally as well. Just like, well, that doesn't bother me. Okay. Well, it bothers me. <laughs> I know. Still there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I love too how you talk a lot about um, improving the church from the inside. I'm just, that's what my whole podcast, like my goal of it is, is mm. women stay in the church and have their voices be heard. But I respect everyone's decision, whether they decide to leave or stay and just sharing mm. stories and being open. Mm. Why do you think that I, that, that word feminist is such a fearful word, even now in the church? Because I've definitely noticed that. Yeah, I think we don't have a shared definition of what that means. And that's the problem. It evokes different uh, images and ideas and feelings, depending on how you define it. And we're not all defining it the same way. And the official definition is someone who you know, advocates for equality for women's rights and equality of the sexes. So pretty much most, you know, aware, awake people are feminists Feminist. because they, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but I, 
that that definition isn't always evoked when with that word. Um, so people think about extreme, extreme examples. And so it it's associated with a lot of fear and um, it's associated with putting men down. Yeah. Which it really, it's that's not. not what it's about. Mm-mm. It's about partnership and equality between men and women. Exactly. And the feedback I get too is also people think, oh, that means you you want the priesthood. And right. that some people, and that's fine, but not every feminist feels that way, you know, in the mm-hmm. church. Right. What do, you, what do you think, what are some of those women's issues that could use some improvement in the church? Like, how could we do better for women? Well, um, more representation in general conference. Thank you. A great place to start. Thank you. Um, um, more partnership among the leadership. So like having, having names for things instead of the state president's wife, the yeah. da, 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 wife, their yeah. wife, yeah. you know, right now I'm the bishop's wife. Um, there's no, like, it would be nice if those were kind of partnership roles instead of the man, right? Um, I think we need to really rethink the use of the word preside. Amen. Um, because... <laughs> It doesn't mean anymore what it used to mean. And we still are holding on to it, even though we've tried to redefine it. No, it means equal partners, but the husband's kind of in charge. No one has a good Mm-mm. definition. And it, it means the person in charge, right? <laughs> like, right. That's what it means. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I think we need a new language or just to get rid of that word because men and women should be equal partners in home endeavors and in church endeavors. And so any way we can do that would be great. Um, I think giving young women duties and responsibilities to care for the congregation like we do boys would be great because they don't get, they get the message that they're secondary and that they're not integral. And the, the boys have responsibilities and duties every week that are integral to the salvation of the congregation. (laughs) So um, I think there are ways that we could utilize our young women that we're not, and it doesn't have to be the exact same things that the boys are doing, but it needs to be um, equitable. Like, and it needs, yeah. Yeah. In my my opinion, in my humble opinion. (laughs) Not so humble opinion. <laughs> well, I love how you always say in your messages, partnership over patriarchy. I think that's really mm-hmm. powerful. Yeah. The idea of working together as equal partners. Right. And it's not women above men. No. It's, it's side by side. And I wish, and I, I believe that's how our heavenly parents operate. And I wish that was mirrored in the church it's mirrored a lot I mean it's it's present in a lot of homes now mm-hmm. but it's still not present in the church to the degree that uh, that it needs in my opinion needs yeah. to be well I'm glad you brought a conference I would love wouldn't it be great to hear even like the wives of the 12 speak like we have right. lawyers and educators and these amazing women who like we don't hear a lot from 
right? They're called for life too. Mm-hmm. Like they, they are in this for life with their partner. And yeah, I think that would be great. And people go, well, where would we pull them from? I'm like, well, we could have well the all of the leaders of the women's organizations speak every conference like the 12 do. There would be nine right there. Um, we could have part, partners of the the 12 and the prophet. Um, because aren't they high priestesses? <laughs> like, hey. right? Like I mean, come, you know, so, but we don't have a language yet to talk about uh, women's power and authority. Totally. Well, and I think of Sister Renlin left her law firm Mm -hmm. to be able to serve with Elder Renlin. And I'm like, oh, I would love to hear more of her story. I think too, sometimes certain women that are asked to speak are harder to identify with. You know, we don't see a lot of younger women, single women. I mean, every once in a while, diverse women. It would be so nice to see women that we could totally relate to. Right. You know, globally. Yeah. 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 Just more represent representative of the um, representative of the, the body of the church. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I didn't send you this question, but it makes me wonder too, like, um, I think we are starting to shift in the church a little bit better about what it means to have priesthood authority versus priesthood power. And I still think we're a little bit unsure of what that means. Like, what does it mean to you? Yeah. So trying to think of like how far to get into this. Yeah. And I put you on the spot. So if you're no, 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 not you're, comfortable, you're totally, you're so no. It's not that I'm uncomfortable. It's just, I'm just trying to decide like, how much do I share of my own personal opinion? Or yeah. So I, I feel like it's an attempt to, um, to move toward partnership. Mm. Um, but it's not quite there. Mm-mm. It's still privileges men and why do we call the men's session priesthood session if women have equal access to the power? Yeah. Yeah. Why, you know, so we kind of have these mixed messages that we, we get, it's like, oh, but you do have the priesthood, just not the keys and the authority. You have the power, you know? And it's so confusing. <laughs> and yeah, it's like, what, what, what do I have? Um, yeah, I, I have, other thoughts about that i i'm hopeful that more will be restored about women's mm. priestesshood because there's an equivalent there's something there like mm-hmm. i can feel it too yeah and a lot of a lot of women can and some men like there's more here and we want we want more yeah you know, there's something more yeah Well, and I think um, sometimes it's hard, even now, even with how far the church has come with gender and race and culture, diversity and stuff, there's still a lot of room for change. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm hopeful, but change is slow in the church, you know? Yeah, well, it's, it's slow in big institutions in general. The bigger the institution, the slower they change. Yeah. And so, and that's not an excuse 
for the church because there are some big institutions that have made changes that we haven't made yet. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but in general, large systems, it's it's harder to kind of turn the the ship. Right. Know? Right. Change course a little bit. I think some people and myself included, cause I'm a podcaster is we're like afraid to, we don't want to be afraid to speak out and speak our truth, but it's this, a fine line between, am I going to get in trouble with my stake president? Am I going to be asked to take it down? And what can I say? What can I say? What advice would you have for someone like me? Who's a podcaster about church issues? Yeah. What I like my commitment, I'll share with what I like, how I make those decisions is I will never go up against core gospel doctrine, faith, hope, repentance, charity, love, you know, <laughs> um, all of that good stuff. I have a commitment because I, you know, I'm, I'm good with all of that. Yeah. Uh, and then I also have a commitment that I will never, uh, I will never go after individual people or say disparaging things or personal attacks or any, I have no interest in tearing anybody down. Yeah. And so that's, um, yeah. And then I really try to focus on the culture, which is the way we do things. Yeah. It, the doctrine is kind of the things, but the culture is the way that we do things as a people. And I think there are, there's room for improvement. And so as I, I feel like as long as I focus on what needs to change in the culture, yes, there's not a threat. You know, does that make sense? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I, I'm loving that advice. That's great advice because I feel very similarly. I don't want to attack anyone or, you know, speak against the church, but I do want to push against the culture a bit because I think there is room for change. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, for example, I had a post the other day where I talked about the church shouldn't weigh in about um, surrogacy and vasectomies and that kind of thing because the handbook does. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had to take it down and rephrase it to say, in my opinion, the church should weigh in about this. So like, it's hard to know sometimes how bold to be, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I, I find that it can be helpful to ask questions. Oh, I love that. So you're not making like a definitive statement, but asking, you know, what does this mean to you? Or where do you think the line should be? Or, yeah. Um, or I wish the church would consider is different than the church has no right to yes. interfere in my reproductive. I mean, even if I feel that way, I'm not, <laughs> not going to post that on online. Uh, but, you know, or I can express my hopes. I hope that this will change. Oh, I love that. That phrasing is so helpful. Thank you. You're uh, welcome. Because I think there's a number of us that want to stay, but we also want to talk about the hard things, you know, right. not be afraid um, because there's so much fear in our culture. <laughs> mm -hmm. can, we, can we please get rid of the fear? It's debilitating. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, yeah. What, I mean, I guess what other advice would you have for Mormon feminists who want to stay, but want to have their voices be heard? 
we have to go for partnership, which means working with men in the system, not against them. And that's really hard when they're, they get to decide whether they're willing or not to work with us. <laughs> so um, I, I think it's important to remember that patriarchy is a system. It's not a person. It's not people. Everybody's in this system, and including men. And so men aren't the bad guys. There are partners in creating more partnership. And so that's my advice is to think about it that way, that we need to work together and enlist men in developing partnership. And every, every man, almost every man that I talk to, I say, will you please use heavenly parents when you're conducting yes. this? Will you please use heavenly mother? Will you acknowledge when you say God that you mean God, the parents? Um, and so inviting them to participate in it instead of I, I just think criticizing and being um, threatening it doesn't work no, no. yeah well and I've been there before where I'm yeah. like take a stand come on and it you're right it doesn't it doesn't help yeah, so we have to kind of, yeah, enlist men's help and work together to, to, to change things. Yeah. How do you um, handle things when you do get pushback from other men from or other women? <laughs> well, there's so much, right? You get, you, I'm, I know you get a lot of hate mail. I know you've hinted yeah. at that um, from local leaders or when you try to make a change or, you know, yeah. how, do you, how do you handle that? That's tough stuff. Yeah. So most of the comments are from, um, not from leaders. They're just from, you know, people on the internet who feel free to <laughs> disagree. And I'm fine with people disagreeing. I'm not fine with people making personal threats or attacks. Yeah, no. And when I get those negative comments, I use it as an exercise in empathy. Like, what must the world be like to be so threatened by this idea? Right. What must the world be like through fearful eyes like this? Yeah. And I try to put myself in their shoes. Um, I am married to my bishop, so um, mm -hmm. <laughs> haven't been called in. <laughs> well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I get called in regularly now. Um, and I've met with my state president once, uh, but the. Oh, you have? Because of a, a complaint. Oh, really? But yeah, um, but basically it ended up him saying, well, I, I agree with you and you're doing really important work. So I'm like, okay. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and I know that I push against the norm and that makes some people really uncomfortable. And, and I, that's okay. I'm glad that you do. We need more people like you to push because then it gives uh, those of us, you know, locally room to do the same. And 
kind of someone to look to not to put you on a pedestal, but just kind of a yeah, mentor. Please don't do that. <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, like a mentor, you know, someone mm-hmm. to kind of refer to and Oh, thank you. You empower us for sure. For thank sure. Thank you. And I try to do it in a kind, like, let's open up this conversation because, you know, people are like, oh, you're, you're so offended and you're so mad. I'm like, do you know me? <laughs> I, I'm actually not offended and I'm not mad. <laughs> like, I'm not yeah. this, I'm not an angry person. I've been called that online too. I'm like, oh, do gosh. you know me? Have you talked to me? I'm not an angry person. No, no. I feel like your, your, um, help for women has kind of been a more recent, your therapy help for women has been more recent. Is that true? Like, um, online? Yeah. Um, no, but I think, uh, when I started really building my Instagram that reached a whole younger generation, because I've, I've been blogging and posting on social media for a decade. Interesting. It's been Instagram that really. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if it's been quite a decade because I don't, I'm trying to think when was, when, when was Facebook opened up to right? <laughs> the public anyway, but several years. Um, but Instagram ha- has kind of taken off and I've found or people have found me like that it resonates with. And I've kind of found my, what's the word? Like your tribe, your people. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And it's, and they're probably a lot younger than I am. Um, Yeah. And they haven't been following me on Facebook or may not have seen me on Utah TV or, you know, stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, it's new for a lot of people, but it's not new for me. And I've been doing therapy with women uh, and speaking about women's emotional health and writing books about it and, you know, for, for my whole career. Yeah. So that, so Instagram is, has really like sped things up, I think. And it, it has. Part. Yeah. I mean, I get, I get Instagrammed like, oh my gosh, I follow you on Instagram. <laughs> a lot of times, which is so funny because it used to be, oh, I have your CD or I have, yeah. Your, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I love that about social. I'm a huge Instagram fan. And I love that about social media is when we can use it to connect. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. when it's so powerful. P- connecting with people you wouldn't normally be able to see or hear from or. Yeah. And I really have um, a deep connection and appreciation for the people that are interested in what I have to say. Like, it's so humbling and it's so, um, like I take it seriously. I don't take myself seriously, but I take their, I take your attention seriously, right? Like this is a, this is a responsibility, you know, and I, I want to take care of my friends. Love that. I love that. Do you, have help with your content or do you usually just, you usually come up with it yourself? Yeah. So I have a graphic designer, so it's all my words from, and so what she does is curate the content from my workshops, past blog posts, all that kind of stuff, and then does the design, but it's all my 
That's awesome. Words. It's all me. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That's so awesome. So well, yeah, I have a team. I have a team of people that that help, you know, do my help me with my podcast and with my practice and, you know, yeah. It takes it takes a team for sure. That's awesome. Well, maybe just in closing, what um if we were in a therapy session with you and, you know, um like if I were in a therapy session with you, what mm -hmm. kind of general like advice would you give to women in the church who are kind of struggling to find their place, who are kind of um, this kind of midlife time of life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would validate that, um, validate their experience. I would let them know like you're not, or let you know you're not alone. Mm. There are a lot of people who are in the same situation with the same questions. And then I'd probably turn it back and say, what, what do you think you can do to have a voice? In what areas do you have influence? Who, who can you talk to? Um, how can you model partnership in your home? Love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that idea of starting in your home. It's so like a lot of times I'm like changing the world. Come on, mm -hmm. let's go big. And it's like, oh, I should probably focus on my own marriage. <laughs> yeah. And and I think, I think you can focus on all of those different levels, like on a micro level to a mezzo and macro level. Yeah. Um, it's not kind of one or the other. I think change can come from all, all different levels. And that's something that's so cool about our church is that revelation comes at every level. Yeah. And so there's revelation from the members, there's revelation from the local, you know, on, on up. And, um, and I think that's a really cool thing about our church. Yeah, I do too. Well, that idea, I'm starting to learn more about your own personal um, authority. Mm -hmm. I never thought yeah. of that before, you know, the idea of <laughs> Like, I don't know yeah. why it never dawned on me, but well, it's like, that's, I it never dawned on me until a client taught me that general authorities have general, like she had that aha and then she brought it to me and I was like, oh my gosh, I never thought of that before. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's really empowering. It's really empowering because, and it's not that you disregard general authorities counsel, but you, you work with both. Right. And you there's tension sometimes and you have to decide and pray and ponder like what is best for me. Yes, exactly. Well, and I always thought of things so um, black and white, you know, I was raised really conservatively and I was the good girl, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I'm starting to realize I, I listened to your Q&A about the, finding the middle road mm -hmm. and that was so good for me to hear like it's kind of okay to be in the gray and to sit with that because mm -hmm. I was always taught yeah. it's black it's white it's mm -hmm. this it's this you have to choose one or the other and I think there's power in the in-between mm -hmm. yeah and it takes it takes work to get there and you know a lot of questions that I get are like how can I reconcile this and this and I'm like well why do you have to reconcile it right now mm. like some things aren't reconcilable. Oh, I love that. And so you just have to sit with the discomfort of 
things not fitting together like you thought they should or could or would. Yeah. And yeah, I just feel like there's so much old skin to shed and mm -hmm. so much new to like raw to kind of just like nourish. Mm -hmm. And it's hard and it's scary, but it's also like you say a lot, it's, it's necessary and empowering, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Julie. Did you want to add any last thoughts before we close the episode? No, I just appreciate you having me on your show and it's an honor to be here and talk about things that matter to both of us. Well, thank you so much. It was an honor to have you and keep doing what you do because there's a lot of us who are cheering from the sidelines. Oh, thank you, Alicia. <laughs> totally. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for joining me on Making Waves podcast. Talk to you next time.